Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, hot queens? Did you bring the baby gherkins? <laughs> this is when I really felt like maybe we shouldn't do this podcast. Astronomical. I hate to see it. Wait. Are you drunk? <laughs> I am so drunk right now. Welcome to Bad Author Book Club, where we're not like other authors, we're worse. I'm Clarabelle A. Ortega. And I'm Ryan LaSala, and we're two authors reading the most bizarre fiction we can find. So, hello, hot queens. We've got another exciting episode of Model Land by Tyra Banks today. Buckle those seatbelts. But before we get started, a quick reminder to please find and follow us on all social media where we post funny memes about Tyra Banks, impressions of the book, reviews of the podcast, the funny things that people say in Discord, fan art from the podcast, all of that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at BadAuthorPod, on Instagram at BadAuthorBookClub. Our website is BadAuthorBookClub.wordpress.com, and you can find all of our episodes and more wherever you stream, whether that be Anchor, Spotify, Apple iTunes. Uh, all of our episodes should be listed out. You can check them out on anchor.fm slash BadAuthorBookClub. Before we get started, yeah. we were we're both considerably browner because oh, yeah. we were in Cape Cod together. Yes. Yeah, we were. week, and it was really fun. Um, oh, it sort of felt like being at Model Land. <laughs> yeah, you, just like it. Just, you know what? Yes, absolutely. All these people had roller skates on their feet. Yeah, we saw seals. Oh, my God. We literally, we, we saw, so we were on the beach. We're literally looking out to the ocean, seeing real life seals, and Clarival goes, CL. <laughs> uh, and I thought of that every we saw like many of them. And so it was many. a joke that occurred to my brain every single time we saw one. Yeah, we saw one like while we were in the water too, and I was like, Well, that was gotta go. like that was like the first day too, right? Like we were sitting in the water and I think so okay. Backstory here is I've been to Cape Cod every year, every summer for my entire life because it's mm-hmm. like a family spot, right? And so I'm like playing tour guide and being like, oh, this happens and this happens. And like, oh, like keep an eye out for this. And I, I think I had like mentioned like, oh, yeah, sometimes there are like seals that pop up. And Clarabelle's like, well, I'm really scared of sharks, so I will be getting out of the water because like sharks hunt seals, right? So if you see seals, like probably there's a shark nearby. Um, anyways... Most of that was, like, just myth and legend until we literally got in the water. And I think, like, 20 feet away, a, like, seal pops out of the water. Like, and, like, looks literally. at us dead on. And it was, I mean, I was shocked. I've never seen one get that close. They were after me. I'm telling you. Well, the thing is also, like, it's not just, like, oh, you know, you hear about uh, sharks coming out when there are seals. There are signs everywhere. Like, you're walking onto the beach and be like, people have died here. Yeah. In shallow water. Because yeah. of shark attacks. Because there are seals. And then there's a seal near us. And I'm like, well. Well, well, I do love, yeah. The, and the signs aren't cute. Like, there's signs with, like, a giant scary shark on them that's, like, roar, like, with through the wall. With many water. teeth. With many, so many, many teeth. teeth. Yeah, they're, like, they're, 
They're really, uh, they're really very serious about it. But hey, you know what? We didn't get eaten by any sharks. We did. We saw seals. We we saw whales, like whale yes. spouts in the distance. That was yeah. kind of magical. That was wild. That was wild. Um, yeah. We also saw Dina Martina, who is now oh my, my favorite uh, drag queen, and um, can't spoil what she's like. I actually yeah. recommend you don't really like look up videos and if you get a chance to see her anywhere mm-hmm. just go yeah and absolutely absolutely I, I don't think i've ever laughed so much and so long in anything that i've ever gone to see like it was laughter from beginning to end like i want to go back right now like yes i was just was. thinking that i was like <laughs> yeah i when people go to provincetown the like thing that i always recommend that they do no matter what is go see dina martina and I won't give them a ton of context as to like what to expect because it's kind of better that way. But she is my so favorite funny. drag queen, like so funny. in P Town, so hysterical. And I, yeah, I walk out of her shows and I'm like, is there like a 9 p.m. show? Can right. I like, go I back? Right, I would do a back to back. I would sure. do it. <laughs> yeah. So we also got to see Ginger Minj, yeah, which oh. was incredible and like the talent such wow star what power. a singer i know oh my god yeah no she was great and i should also mention that my parents my mom and stepdad were with us for this entire yes. thing yes <laughs> they were like sort of like they were like our like wealthy benefactors for the, yeah, the, the week like. basically the week yeah it's over there like we like dragged them to all these things and they are such good sports about like all of these things like they had a great time they loved it so bring you know bring your boomer parents to P-Town. yeah i mean they made me climb that sand dune so oh. Oh, the Kate, yeah, the Kate Bush of the Dunes over here. Yeah, never it was, have. It was, I thought I was gonna die, everyone. Oh, it was. It, it was, was intense. Steep, it was. A it steep, was a steep, and it's sand, yeah. so it's moving. Right. And famously, I had never climbed a sand dune before. So. Oh, famously, yeah, like famously <laughs> has never set foot on a sand. No, it was. It was a tough. Also, like, I don't know about you, but I was like, I could not keep up with my parents they're like Listen, in their 70s like sprinting around sprinting running up like every hill they could find that day we did a 4.1 mile hike yes. and a lot of it was uphill yeah the sand dune wasn't even part of the hike that was just like let's climb up here extracurricular to, see, to see the view which it was beautiful and i'm glad we did it but it was sure. so hard um and my Fitbit was like, are you training for the Olympics? Way to go. Yes, and, the Dune I mean, Olympics. It, it, it was super fun. It was great. But part of what kept propelled me forward was like, I cannot let these people beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry, my stepdad, had run like four miles that, that morning. morning. Yeah, I <laughs> he got, he got like a four mile run and then... We need to do this hike with us, and we're like half their age, and we're struggling over here. We are less oh than God. half of their age, and it's no, it's absolutely true. And the one thing that like I kept thinking when we were out in that hike was like we would not survive the diabolical divide. Never. No. We'd have to find the zip zap. We'd have to find the zip zap, or like the roller coaster, or the crane, like any of the many devices that tend to remove right. people from the divide, like. Our only I, option. Yeah, I, I, I feel confident in that I would, one of us would find the zip zap. You're really good at directions. Mm-hmm. I'm smart when it counts and <laughs> just when it counts because just when it doesn't, I'm a fucking moron. Nick of time intellect. Nick of time intellect. Um, I've got it. You yeah. need it? I've got that. I've got that. Um, yeah. I'm also from the Bronx. I'm used to running. So yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> the only times I, 
almost got beat up as yeah. a child. Yeah. I ran a lot. I also threw punches. I can I can fight, but not a fireball. Not a fire. Oh my god. Who I can? Fucking fireballs. Yeah. Speaking of fights, we should oh. probably get into. Jesus uh... Christ. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's. I mean, by all means. Okay, so transition noise. Today's episode is chapter forty-four of Model Land by Tyra Banks, Wicked Couture. So okay, so where we left off, right? Like it's this flashback sequence where we're learning about Ladonna's secret baby and Cremolata Defecata. Her name's Defecate. I always say Defecata, but yes, yes Defecate like mm. betrayal and the baby. We think it's going to be Tookie, but it ends up being CL, right? Yeah. And that's the very last line of the previous chapter. So I'm expecting, we were, we are joking on Discord about like what CL's reaction to this was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's going to be like, I'm not no baby. Like no one's been putting a thumb in my mouth like since, you know, Rio de Janeiro. Or like she's going to have like a fun quirky line. And I was wrong. CL like sort of begins the chapter with this description of how like, shocked and terrified she is and i actually think this is like kind of the highlight of the chapter she's like toki's observing cl having like quick breathing sharp in and out like her chest collapsed with each exhale as though an invisible assailant was stabbing her with a dagger i was like come on description like yeah, give it to us tyra is, yeah this was good actually um so she immediately begins hyperventilating which yeah. is like yeah not only am i finding out that the belladon is my mom right now but also that my mom has been fucking torturing me yeah and it's like my like nemesis yes and And like like, i didn't get a choice in how i interacted with my own mother like maybe had she known that the belladonna was her mom it would have helped seal like go through like the death of her friends (laughs) yeah exactly and obviously like that's i kind of wish that we kind of got some of that right like seal even though it would be a little bit weird to start, like, voicing this, would be like, oh, my gosh, like, all of this, like... And I don't know, maybe maybe we'll get there. Maybe maybe the, the people in this chapter will get to kind of have a crucial conversation, we hope. But for now, it's just high drama. Creamy is like, it hurts, doesn't it? She starts basically rubbing it in CL's face, being like, she's, you know, your mama, and she's always treated you, like, really badly, and she sacrificed her tiny baby for her own face. And yeah. <laughs> CL says... In protest, but I have green eyes. That baby in the flashback had gray eyes, and I was like, "This is basically the discussion in our Discord, where people are like, all right, who, name everyone in the cast, name everybody's eye color. We gotta figure this out because it's I'm gonna the tell old... you something. There's nobody more obsessed with eye color than people who have light colored eyes. Like, oh. you guys need to get over it. You're gonna yes. lose your eyesight first. It hurts in the sun. I know it does." Just, like, fucking calm down. You're not special because your eyes are, like, light. Oh, people who are like, oh, my eyes change color in the sun. No, Oh, shut up. Dumbass. Like, no, they don't. No one's eyes, like, oh, yeah, also, like, you know, that's, like, me being, like, my skin changes color in the dark because I can't see it. Right. My hair changes color when I put sun in. (laughs) Now what? Now what are you going to do? As if it's special, and y'all are so annoying with this. Both Claire and I have like beautiful brown eyes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just very like it's very 
especially coming from like a person of color it's very yeah. like your eurocentric beauty standards oh, yeah. and like it's sort of a reflection of everything almost everything else in this book I, I i was thinking about it and like tyra very specifically only describes skin color when it's light if if yeah. there are any dark-skinned people here in this book um which i think wingtip is specifically because she says he's warm skin and she yeah. won't describe exactly what color his skin is but if you have like light skin if it's like alabaster if it's like olive if it's any of those colors she is very very i mean there's too much description in this book so for the, there to be lack of description in one specific place which just so happens to be any dark skin yeah is very telling to me in that you know the, it, it is like just sort of like a reflection of like eurocentric beauty standards and the obsession with eye color is it's so funny obsession is the word for it and someone I, in the discord said she could have just not said the eye color yeah r- yes exactly <laughs> right like this like i think all of your notes are, are valid on this but the thing that like in addition to what you're saying that like really gets me going is that like eye color is such a trope especially in like fantasy as if like a person's eye color is like denotes like their magical potential or heroism right like it annoys the fuck out of me like i remember reading i remember someone finally convinced me to read the first game of thrones book and i had watched the first season so i was like oh like i kind of know what happens i started reading it and i was like oh my god wait like this is just like every high fantasy trope ever Mm. like daenerys targaryen like shows up and she's like sexy moonlit hair and lavender eyes and i was like this was everyone's gaia online avatar in like 2002 george Mm. rr martin's not imaginative he's just pulling from like the like pornographic fantasy girl that like everyone's imagined into their works i mean i have people like this like in my books too but yeah just the the hyper focus on like eye color writers find something else to make remarkable about your character and good on you if it's not a physical trait indicating like magical potential because that has been done to death right and like the the whole eye color thing specifically and so there's no way that tyra's not going to mention someone's eye color right like she's stuck herself this whole and anyways so she does mention like they're they're gonna have a discussion about this eye color and the explanation that the belladonna gives for the gray eyes is well your eyes turned green later a common occurrence with babies born with blue or gray eyes so like not even anything interesting i thought like someone was gonna get an eye swap or something like that but no it's just like which is true i mean she's not wrong but like it feels anticlimactic and like well yeah because yeah because the only reason why tyra did this was so that we would be shocked that it was cl she wanted to sort of like Throw us the red herring. Tell yeah. us it's not CL because her eyes are gray. As if any of us remembered CL's fucking name. Um, eye color. It is so hard yeah. to remember those little details because it's so chock full of description. And there's another moment where that happens in the next chapter. The Belladonna is really upset and CL, like, they're basically screaming at each other. She's like, you threw me away. The Belladonna's like, well, it's because Creamy tricked me. And then Creamy cuts in, and she was like, well, what about me? Like, what about what Creamy's own? Very, like, Rose's turn. And she's like, you made me, like, climb down a mountain for you. Which, like, no, not true, because they teleported or something. Who knows? And, you know, I'm old now. That's your fault. And the Belladonna, she's back, and she's like, 
you're jealous. You all, you always wanted whatever I had, and no one would ever love you, though. That's the one thing that you never had because of that, like, you know, you're, you're a nasty person, and... <laughs> I can't believe you found someone to marry you with that nasty-ass face of yours. And it's mm. a whole paragraph that basically conflates, like, you're evil and you're old, right? Like, those two things right. go hand in hand. And, like, I think Tyra's trying to do this thing where she's like, you're as wicked on the outside as you are on the inside. Because Creamy clearly is this, like, irredeemable person now. But, like, I don't think Tyra realizes that, like, we've talked about this before. She's trying to address, like, beauty standards in so much of this book. But she's also reiterating so many, like, yeah. terrible beauty standards in so much of this book. Really, what she needed to do was find a way to, like, kind of get out of this mindset of, like, there are good and bad, like, physical features. And because what she's trying to do with this is saying, like, some features are really good and beautiful, um, but others still aren't. And it doesn't feel progressive. It actually just feels like she's sort of right back in the standards of, like, old yeah. people are bad. <laughs> like, old witches should be burned. Like, that's very much what this felt like to me. Yeah, I agree. She's not doing anything. It's not giving what she thinks it's giving um, <laughs> at all. And in fact, it would have made more sense, in my opinion, if Creamy would have just been beautiful and show, like, what you look like is not a reflection of how good or bad you are as a person. Right. Um, That would have been more important than sort of, like... Yes. Mm, there's no beauty standards. Everyone's beautiful. Unless. Unless. <laughs> unless. You're an old ugly. bitch. Then yeah. you're fucking done. Then you're done. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so they're fighting. The girls are fighting. And then the Belladonna snatches Bellissima from Creamy's hands. This is so crazy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> <laughs> Creamy kicks her in the chest. <laughs> This so wait, she also it is just a chest kick. The Belladonna snatches Bellissima from Creamy's hands. Creamy goes, give her back, and then you would think she would grab Bellissima, right? You would think that she would make a lunge for the doll. No, she grabs both of the Belladonna's shoulders and shakes her. So I, I want you all to imagine what that must look like. Someone's holding something. The other person's like, give it back. And instead of grabbing it, just takes their shoulders and is like shaking them. And I was like, is she shaking her from like behind? Like, what is what is going on here? And no, she just like shakes her so hard that clumps of dust and debris fly off of her. And then, yeah, there's the chest kick. And then the Belladonna staggers backwards into the flashback females. I forgot they were there. I'm, I forgot. <laughs> All these poor women are just doing their best to psychically excavate memories and suddenly there's a fight in their office. How terrible. By the way, where's Miracle? <laughs> <laughs> Mir Miracle is off, like, dancing around causing every OSHA violation possible at the the ceremony. Like, Perfect. I yeah. was like, where is she? She just, like, danced out of the room. She's, she's like, she's bye, gone. Mom. Yeah, she's not gonna be in the book again. I know she's out of there. We're not gonna see her. Oh my gosh. So, they're fighting and then Percy yells at them to stop. Creamy shrieks and shoves um, Persimmon hard and sends her reeling into the far wall. Uh, CL goes to help her to show she's a good person now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then something very wild happens. Creamy lunges for the Belladonna once more. Just as their bodies clashed, yeah. a piercing scream rang through the air, it says. Mm -hmm. Bellissima flies across the room, and droplets of something lands on Tookie's cheek. 
then it's dead silence. So it looks like Creamy and the Belladonna are huddled together as though they're locked in an intimate embrace, it says. Mm -hmm. Tyra's a lesbian. Mm. But then um, Tookie sees a sharp, shiny metal object piercing her mother's gut and protruding clear through her back. So the, it says the two women were literally like skewered together from a spike that's on the Belladonna's dress. Yeah, yeah, her dress, which I think we mentioned this. It's spiky, like very right, clearly I, noted as spiky in the last chapter, which we thought was kind of fun. Right, but I did not remember that at all because yeah, that, that would, happened. It would have been handy to say that in this chapter, like the you know the spikes were flashing dangerously. Well, like, remind us again, right? right. Because like I, I'm pretty sure. I wrote down, give me a sec. Yeah. Um, so the we are told that the dress has spikes on page 492. We're now on page 524. In between all of that, we get all of the flashbacks and reveals and costume changes. And oh, there's yeah. just no way for us to remember it. It's more than one chapter, actually. And so... I really wish they had done what you said, which is, like, describe it again. Like, yep. give us something, because... I had to check, was she even wearing a spiky dress? Because mm-hmm. I don't remember it. Um, and it would have made the fight more interesting, if even the- if they had mentioned that in the moment, right? Like, like her dress is, like, almost looks dangerous, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think there's so much that, like, is not unpacked about, like, garments used as sort of, like, a type of armor. And, like, a you know, there's, like, an element of, like, protectiveness, like... You know, saying that the Belladonna's magical gown morphed to protect her as a type of, like, camouflage or a type of armor. Like, that's actually really, really cool. And it makes me, again, wish that, like, someone with actual, like, fantasy and magic chops had chosen to write something about, like, couture and fashion. I'm just going to have to do it myself. Like, I love talking about, like, wardrobe and costume design and all of that stuff. Bedazzled is about costume design, my Mm. second book. And I feel like there's so many missing opportunities for, like why these things are interesting and like especially with a magic system based around it but no as it turns out tyra just needed a spiky dress so that creamy could get impaled during like a little tussle over a doll uh and we're just gonna let her we're gonna let that we're gonna let that go we're just gonna let (laughs) it happen um so the thing that oh yeah go ahead i was gonna say persimmon (laughs) so the two like creamy's literally been impaled Persimmon goes back together again, muttered, like, off from the side. She, like, rubs it. Like, she, like, makes, like, a joke about this. And I'm like, this is, again, like, Tyra has such a bad sense of, like, she has a class clown timing, right? Like, she makes a joke that, like, maybe would be funny elsewhere, but it's just, it it deflates the tension so quickly. And, like, like, immediately, not now. Like, let the moment breathe. Let us all gasp. Like, let's not make this a, a, a fun little prankster joke, which is what happens when you add a character making sort of a really glib remark to like what should be a really intense moment. I agree. It was very funny, but probably not the right place to put something like that. Mm-hmm. So this really bothered me. So so if you remember droplets of some it says droplets of something landed on Chucky's cheek. This is mm-hmm. before she realized like she watched her mom basically get shish kebobbed, right? Yeah. And then she rubs, she wipes the mo- moisture from her face and realizes that it's blood, but she watched the spike go through her mom. Yeah. It says she watched it happen. Yeah. But she doesn't react until she wipes the blood from her face and it's like, oh, it's blood. What did you think was going to happen if a spike is, like, it's just so ridiculous. Like, 
Yeah, and it, I can tell the order. reason. Right, the reason why they did this was so that Persimmon could get in her stupid fucking joke. <laughs> no. That's the worst part of it, because oh, that's man. the only thing between Chucky realizing that and her wiping the blood. Like Tyra probably thought, you know, the droplet of something landing on her cheek. Right. And then her realizing it's blood was like so powerful that she couldn't divorce herself from like that. Yeah. When they say kill your darlings, this is what they mean. Like, yeah. you kill. can't get so attached to a sentence, even if you think it's good, right. that you do something like this with it. It's <laughs> yeah. just so bad. Yeah, a lot of, like, Model Land, you have to sort of imagine from, like, like as a stage, right? Because, like, if you sort of sit and actually go through each action in the order, like, nothing makes sense. Because only after this does she yell, creamy! Like, she, her mom's already been, like, stabbed. Her mom's presumably been stabbed for, like... 10 to 20 seconds at this point, right? Yeah. But that's, that kind of timing doesn't really exist in Model Land. It's sort of like, I actually imagine it's like a comic strip, right? Because it's very like panel here, panel there. Nothing can happen at the same time. No. Creamy's down. Creamy's down, guys. She's down bad. Blood gushes from her wound. The Belladonna's like pale from shock. She did not get stabbed. She's just wearing the stabbing garment. And right. Creamy writhes desperately to, she unimpales herself. She pulls herself uh. off the spike. Disgusting. Uh, and once she did, she spins around and staggers a few steps away, eyes rolling back, reddish froth spills from her lip. You know, real, real dramatics here from Creamy. And then she crumbles to the ground and... <sighs> Kill me. Creamy, take me with you. Toki runs over and goes, oh my god, mommy! <laughs> and suddenly... Like, kneels by her side and is like, Mommy, Mommy, no. Like, she whispers, cradling Creamy's head. And I was like, I don't know what you thought of this moment, but I was like, please, Tyra, do not give us a tender moment with these two. Do not. It is so deeply inappropriate to, like, have this right now. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time Tookie has ever called Creamy anything other than Creamy. Yeah. So it's clearly meant to be very important. Right. Meanwhile... Where's my brain? How did she kick her in the chest if the spike is so big? How'd she shake her shoulders if that spike is so big? Like, (laughs) it doesn't make any sense to me. That's what I'm thinking, right? (laughs) I'm still thinking about the spike and the logistics. And here Tookie is like, mommy, and I'm supposed to be, I'm not emotional. No. Because I'm thinking about the spike, okay? I I got my eye on the spike. I'm focused on the spike. Let's keep talking about the spike. Do not care. And it's like, not only do do I not care about what happens to Creamy, because she 100% deserves to die. Yeah. I don't care what Tookie feels towards her either, because her character is so deeply unlikable, so blah, so nothing. Yeah. She makes Bella Swan look like the most... Proactive. Proactive fucking character. Opinionated person. Yes. Yes. Like, truly... So, so this whole thing, this is what, why when you're building towards something in a book, it's supposed to make you feel something towards the end. You're so, we were supposed to spend the last 524 pages getting to know Tookie, rooting for her, becoming attached to her so that when these moments happen, we feel something. Yeah. Instead, I am wondering 
how Tookie didn't get hurt and where the spikes are pa- placed on the dress specifically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's sort of like when, you know, it reminds me of like those scenes from movies. There's like a war zone and like there's one old person who's just like ardently focused on like their crocheting as like things like bombs are going off. Because it's like among all this chaos, we are just focusing on the things that we can control or yeah. give us the illusion of control. And the spike. Oh, God. The spike. Well. You're going to have dreams about that. You're going to be, you're going to wake up with like, you're going to have like diagrams of the well, stress. Well, the thing that bothers me is yeah. that I'm noticing that I write a lot of things that are already, I wrote a lot of things in my YA that appear in this book. It's just, I didn't do them in the same way Tyra did. Yeah. Um, and in my YA, one of my characters wears a spiked dress to a gala because she's going with an older man and she doesn't want him to touch her but the spikes are very very small yeah it's not like something that can impale somebody (laughs) yeah no there's no logistics is not something that um really appear in the realm in the reality of of model land but it would have been cool if the spikes grew and like got smaller we're gonna we're gonna move on from the spikes (laughs) (laughs) we gotta we gotta if you want to call me after we're done recording and you want to talk about it can we do a special patreon (laughs) just so we can talk about the spikes absolutely look i will promise you that we will come back to it if you will just let us move on to the next thing Okay, <laughs> one more thing. Can oh, no. we reenact? Let's do a thing where you like make a spike out of cardboard and we try to reenact this whole thing. It's called and... Perseveration. This is because you're building an origin story. Not model in, but the one spike dress that the Belladonna wears. Right. <laughs> okay, so Creamy's, Creamy's down and Toki's like, Mommy? And Creamy's like, What did you call me? <laughs> Which made me laugh yeah she's lucid suddenly. <laughs> yeah she like wakes up from death and is like what did you say and Tookie goes uh, ma i mean creamy like she corrects herself and oh god my all my nightmares come true because creamy like you know she whispers like Tookie, like they're having this like tender moment mm-hmm. and like blood is gushing out of her wound in time with her heartbeat like, like creamy's about to like pass away and Tookie's like what was that creamy and she like leans in close to like try to hear what her mom's whispering to her on her deathbed and all the negativity she'd felt about her mother was instantly replaced by fervent protective love creamy may not have been the best mom of the world but she was all tookie had which is first of all remarkably untrue because we spent the entire book watching tookie like have like a found family right like i kind of thought that was the point of everything there is no point right there was never the only any... point is a spike <laughs> oh god enough enough out of you i don't want to hear about that fucking spike and you know what it better not be your fucking thorn i know you're gonna make the joke when the time comes and i'm not having it I'm i didn't not... even think that far ahead i did oh i did constant vigilance with you constant vigilance but no, like, this, it was all Tookie had, like, all this nonsense, like, it feels so hollow, because we forgot about Creamy for, like, two-thirds of this book, mm-hmm. right? Like, she was not in it, and then she wasn't really even, like, lording over Tookie. Like, Tookie never had, like, never turned a corner with her or any of this stuff. She just sort of showed up and immediately gets impaled uh, right. filthily, and I'm like, just let her go. Like, if she were to die, like, is it really that sad? She's done nothing redeemable. In fact... 
if anything, our impression of Creamy has gotten a lot worse in the past couple of chapters because we've just watched her be a home, like a home wrecking bitch, basically. Like that's what that was Tyra's goal, was it not? So now right. killing Creamy, like you, you, okay. My rant is going to end on this. In anime, really in anything, but it's really clear in anime. If a character gets a backstory reveal, they're going to die, right? Like, and it's usually because we learn about them, we get invested in them, like, we learn, like, who they are, we become sympathetic. And then they're pulled away from us and it creates, you know, sadness on the on the viewer's part. Tyra did this wrong because we should have learned about, like, Creamy being, like, a hero or something. Like, we should have learned about, like, her side of the story or something like that. And that would have set right. us up to be right. really upsetting, right? Like, what if we got, like, a backstory that gave creamy some gave us some perspective on why creamy was the way that she was right no no no. instead we just get all this backstory about how she's actually so much worse so now she's being stabbed to death and like my reaction is like oh okay well she sucked like bye right yeah not to mention like all the chapters with her before this was of her like sending innocent children and their mothers to death because they were (laughs) prettier than uh miracle and it would have been so much more interesting if that hadn't happened we see creamy making her way to model in and the reason why she made her way to model in was to help tookie right yeah um <gasps> to help tookie and then we see the backstory and the and we realize why she is the way that she is yeah and then she dies yes then it, we could have mustered some feeling for her but instead we get this and it's just a shame i love that idea i think you're exactly yeah. right so so she's trying to get a word out and Chucky's like what is it and basically like all it says all the negativity that she had ever felt towards her mom it's like replaced by protective love and like yeah. Tyra's trying to tell us how to feel in this right. moment yeah. um and it's just not gonna work and then the words finally come out and uh Creamy asks for Bellissima and that's the end of that chapter <laughs> why would you end a chapter there <laughs> Why not give us Tookie's reaction, like, or something? Yeah, she's just like, Tookie, get me my Bellissima. Bellissima. Which, I don't know. I'm waiting for the doll to have some sort of reveal, but we are running out of chapters. Do we think the doll is, like, magic or special somehow? Because, like, why is Bellissima so important to Creamy? I thought by now we would find out. Like, I don't know what the point is. is. Is she sort of like an obelisk situation with CL where it's, like, a representation of somebody who she's lost or some sort of like I feel like it's going to be like a last minute solution to something or like a last minute like oh this suddenly fixes uh everything for creamy or whatever the fuck I don't know I it's either going to be nothing or something that Tyra like built in thinking was going to be really clever as like a last minute mechanism Unfortunately, I feel like Bellissima's function was revealed in the Belladonna's, like, when she was ridiculing Creamy. She says something along the lines of, like, is that why you carry around this pathetic doll? So you have total control over something, anything? So you have something to love you? Oh, yeah. I don't think that the doll will have... Well, first of all, we don't know because the second two books in this trilogy are not written that we know of yeah that we know of but um when we hack into tyra's mainframe or when we befriend her whichever happens first i do plan to ask this because like you i thought oh the doll would be a great place to like 
hide something like a you know like some sort of artifact or a, probably like a smize or something like that like it, it could come in handy as like a vessel for something like the doll's got to have a purpose my belief is that the the purpose of that doll is just it's like dressing it's like window dressing on creamy's character it's just yeah. like something to make her kind of kooky crazy and to as the belladonna says like show that she's so deranged in her love that she carries around this doll that can never like refuse to be her daughter basically because both of her daughters are in some way rebellious yeah i i i think that's probably correct i was thinking maybe like creamy was gonna die and then tookie would like find out the truth from something hidden inside of the doll oh my god what if like the doll like (laughs) creamy dies and then Tookie pulls like a cord on the back of Bellissima and Bellissima like gives a monologue and Bellissima is the Greek chorus. I really hope that happens. God, please. Oh, Tyra, write this down. Tyra, get your pen out. Okay, so what is your rose and what's your thorn for this chapter? Okay, my rose is that I like when characters die. It's really exciting for me. Like, I think that it's always a good thing to be able to effectively kill a character unfortunately this character wasn't killed effectively so that's not really a great rose i guess if i had to like pick something that i actually really liked in this i do like the visceral descriptions that tyra put in of sales reaction of like creamy bleeding out right like there's uh there's an element of like vividness in the writing Mm -hmm. in this chapter that i think uh i think is good i think i think tyra gets some kudos from me on that my thorn (laughs) I see you. Oh, you're, you're laughing. No, I was. No, I was. All right, all right. I, I, I just feel like, I feel like I know it's gonna come out of your mouth, but I'm not gonna say a thing. Okay, my thorn is probably the persimmon joke. So stupid, dumb, and badly placed. Badly and... placed, and the choreography of that whole moment is really dumb. Very. Super incredibly. Yeah. My rose is the kick to the chest. Uh, <laughs> that sent me hurtling off my bed. It was so funny. <laughs> so funny. This is the second time that there's like a high kick in this book. <laughs> yes. And like, I just really loved it. One just happened like a few chapters ago. Someone yeah. gets kicked in the side. Wasn't it also creamy? Why is she Someone, why is she, why is she no, Steven was, Seagal? <laughs> Persimmon kicking Ciel and telling her to shut up what with the fuck? with a round. That's even worse. So like, everyone is just good at kicking. It's good. There's so many thorns to choose from. I'm not gonna choose a dress. Um, you can if you want. No, no. It that that's not actually my thorn though. There's so many worse things. Okay. I think the sort of like a forcing of like what's supposed to be a tender moment yeah. in this chapter really is my thorn because like it falls flat and like the heavy handedness in this book is like really really obvious like Tyra having Tookie call her mom creamy this whole time was probably only so she could call her mommy in this scene and like that to me is so one dimensional and like really just bad writing like you can't do one thing just to pull something off and it not have any sort of weight or meaning behind it. Right. You need to have a reason. You need to have sort it would have been a lot more powerful if Tyra not sorry, Tookie decided to call Creamy Creamy and not Mommy because she didn't love her because she treated her like shit. That's a great idea. 
instead of just having her mom force her to call her creamy right and then her call her mommy like we don't see sort of like her wanting to call her anything but creamy like she's used to it it's not a big deal considering she doesn't have a good relationship with her full name it also kind of strikes me as odd that she would force someone yeah force someone to call her that all the time so yeah so the whole mommy part and 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 Chucky suddenly like letting go of any anger towards her mom felt so unrealistic. Yeah. I think you can care about what's going to happen to somebody without forgetting that they also treated you like shit their entire life. Yeah. And, like, that conflict to me is a lot more interesting than, like, actually, never mind, I forgive you for everything. Yeah, JK, now. JK, we're, mm-hmm. we're over it because you're imperiled. Yeah, she has a line in that that's, like, I just wanted, like, as Creamy died, like, Toki just wanted her to know that, like, she was loved or something like that, too. And this just feels like a hodgepodge of, like, every sad other thing that Tyra maybe has absorbed in her, you know, her time absorbing, like, other media, right? Like, Uh I don't feel like she really thought about what these pieces meant when she was putting them down. She's just surface level sort of pulling from, like, her stash of, like, oh, drama, like, scenes from other things and putting them, putting them on paper and they don't, they just don't make sense. There's nothing, there's nothing, like, coherent about, like, these emotional beats at all one thing y'all might want to do when you've got a character that has like a nemesis or like a you know a person that they really hate is in a book so that you don't end up with something like this is sort of map out that person's like your main character's attitude towards that person as they change because ideally you've got a character that's morphing and changing because of the events that appear in your plot and so their attitude sourcing should also you know they should change as well and i know with the honeys for instance has a lot to do with like grief and uh the main character mars loses his sister really early on in the book like i actually made an outline that was like all right like here's mars's relationship with like death basically and like you know the passing of his sister like through the events of the book because i wanted there to be a progression so that by the end it wasn't just like oh epiphany out of nowhere sort of like this uh that it actually felt like you know it had been building and and that's where it came from too so yeah this stuff doesn't have to be mysterious yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's a really, really good tip. I think it's important to track that and to make mm-hmm. it realistic. Like, we don't change our opinions about people, first of all, from one moment to another or, or because something bad happens to them. We might gain sympathy for them in that moment because of that. But it doesn't erase all of the bad things that happened before, especially a lifetime of abuse, of emotional yeah. abuse, which is what Creamy put Tookie through yeah. right Tookie literally only has a stutter when she talks to her mom yeah because she's so afraid of her yeah and i think that it invalidates that trauma and that abuse when you make her wipe the slate clean yeah. like i also have a scene like this in witchlings where there's a character who really misunderstood another character but that doesn't change the fact that she was hurt by that character mm-hmm. and she expresses that and she says even though the things that happened didn't happen because i thought that doesn't mean i didn't get hurt and i still have every right to be angry yeah i'm like yes (laughs) right what would have been great is if Tookie had been like first of all this chapter is four pages long yes like we're really believe it or not really milking it there's a lot to talk about in those four pages but like there's tons of room just timing wise 
for Toki to even like say like there's so much that I want to say to my mom there's so much that like has yet to be said that needs to be said but there is no time and she is dying and I am making the choice to sacrifice the justice I need and the closure that I need to give her one moment of love something that she never gave me right like right. What, a, what a painful hard thing to do what a sign of maturity right or just of heartbreak right not even that it's like that admirable but like that would have been a great moment and I just wrote it while talking, right? Like that, it could have taken like two lines to sort of explain like why Toki does this uh, instead yeah. of vacating her of an entire character's worth of like, you know, hatred, right? Like towards this mother person who's been bad yeah. uh, and replacing it really with like bad. love. So I'm with you on that. That's actually a great floor. And thank you for not mentioning the spike. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I mentioned it enough. <laughs> um, so that is the end of uh, of this chapter. We are so close to the end. Yes. It is ridiculous. I think we have like three chapters to go or something We've like got, that. We've got, I think, four. And so, okay. yeah, 45 is a, a big one. And then I think it's like two chapters. And there's like a... I haven't looked at it, though, but there, it looks like maybe it's like an epilogue. It definitely is going to need its own episode, though, because it's long. And it's in the font... That is Tookie's handwriting when she writes letters. Oop, so I okay. don't don't know what's in it. I have no idea. I don't think that's a spoiler, but I think it's going to be something worth talking about. And then we do have the acknowledgments also. So we'll have to read those and see if they're worth making a full episode out of them. But yeah. maybe we can do like a wrap up episode and that can be included in it. I, um, I, I just know that what's going to happen is you're going to read the acknowledgements and you're going to Google every single fucking name <laughs> that she yeah. in that list. Yeah. Of- you already know I'm going to be in research mode. I mean, it's really fun to do that because yeah. like, Nine out of ten times, there's, like, Something some sort fun, of, like, yeah. animosity or, like, funny story that goes with things. And yeah. it just makes it more interesting. Tyra is I love a... how in Discord people are like, Clarabelle, does Tyra have a Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, I, first of all, I know the answer. And second of all, I've suddenly become, like, a Tyra Banks historian. Yes. I just, if they do a documentary about her... They need to invite us because we are model land experts at this point. Right. Like we truly, I don't know anybody that's invested this much time into model and like this many hours. Like not even Tyra did. Not even Tyra. Right. Like (laughs) I, I think we know the book probably the best out of anybody on earth right now, just because it's been some time since like edits and things like that have gone on this book. Right. Like, so it's really like we are the world's leaders. (laughs) leading experts when it comes to we're the world's leaders on um all things model model of entire pigs and as is our discord i mean like what a, what a place of scholarship in the bavc <laughs> discord like i said glad to know my parents came to the united states so that i could do this god <laughs> jesus christ oh my god what a what a weird life we have this is i would rather i would not want to be doing this with anybody else. I would not want to be spending my time on anything else. This is no, my and I could be thing. having the worst day of my life, and I start talking about Modeland, and suddenly, yeah, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, it's good because it'll be a okay. Absolutely. At least I'm not tookie. Oh God, yeah. Although sometimes I do want to just go to sleep and wake up where I'm supposed to be. That would be that would be wonderful. Really lovely. Oh, oh speaking would be of a lot less stressful. <laughs> truly, speaking of. 
we both of us have read the next chapter we're gonna do a separate episode for but like buckle, <laughs> buckle up girlies buckle up. yeah you guys speaking of places Toki should not be <laughs> there's a great chapter coming up and i Lord just i can tell it's gonna give both of us angina it sure is it sure is if you want to find us on social media we are on twitter at bad author pod our instagram is bad author book club and our website is badauthorbookclub.wordpress.com. You can find uh, the podcast on anchor.fm slash badauthorbookclub. And um, there are links to pretty much all of the major podcasting networks that um, host us. Um, if you want to follow me, Clarabelle, I'm on Insta, Twitter, and TikTok at Clarabelle underscore Ortega. And please go pre-order my graphic novel, Frizzy, which just got its very first trade review and it's a star from Kirkus. That so. is wow, that is so cool. Yeah, Kirkus is famously not nice. Um yeah. uh if Kirkus if you're listening, I love you. I'm just kidding. But uh yeah, they can they can really tear you a new one. They, it could be a real kick in the chest. It could be a real, a real, a real spike through the through the through this through the chest. So um so I'm uh grateful that uh our graphic novel got a star and if you guys could all go check it out that would be really incredible and please go continue to buy witchlings because um i i'm doing well we're going into our second printing yes so huge deal exciting huge 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 deal oh and if you'd like to follow me ryan i am the ryan lasala on twitter Instagram and TikTok and while you're at it following me in all those lovely places the honeys comes out August 16th we are in sort of the home stretch where uh, if you pre-order the book you'll get some gifts if you like check out my site you can sort of find where I'll be event wise I'm about to announce a book tour which is stateside I've got some fun news coming up about where in the world honeys will be published so hang tight Incredible. for that i can't share it yet and yeah please go out and uh support our books support the honeys witchlings frizzy all those good things and uh we will see you next time hot queens see you next week hot queens biggest kisses Bye. Bye.